We all heard the story. I believe most of you know the story about the prodigal son. Um, a lot of you are going to go a little bit different direction with it than most. Gonna, most, uh, most of the sermons I've heard preached on it, they focus on all the way up from verse uh, 10 there, all the way down to verse 26. And they kind of stop. Uh, we'll look at those two, but the uh, main focus is going to be on from verse 27 on down. We'll be looking at the entire chapter. Um, I begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach. Thank you, Lord, everybody gathered here. Some of those travel quite a distance. Uh, glad to see them coming to church and not neglecting the assembly. It's very encouraging. Lord, I ask that the words I speak not be mine, but let them be yours. Just let me be a conduit. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, look there in the first part of the verse there, this uh, whole chapter, the scribes and Pharisees, just to kind of set it up a bit for you. Go back to uh, verse 1 there in chapter 15. says, Then drew near unto him, him being Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So then there's a couple other parables in that chapter there, but we're looking at here. Uh, sometimes a pitfall that these religious rulers had fallen into, but we need to be careful not to, just as a way of introduction, is of trying to be hyper-separated, for a lack of a better term. Trying to be standoffish, pushing people away, not saying that there's a lot going wrong in our society, a lot of things that we are, uh, it's demanded that we tolerate. Not all those things are tolerable. Understand that. However, Christ, we see here, He did not push sinners away as long as they were repentant. He called those back. He wanted them. He wanted people to be restored. Oftentimes when you hear the publicans, publicans, they were tax collectors, people that had turned their backs on their own country, and they were working for the empire of Rome. They were people that their income, they didn't get an income from the Roman government. The publicans didn't. They had the authority of the Roman government to collect taxes, They had a quota of how much they had to give to the Roman government, and whatever else they had, whatever else they collected, they could keep. No room for corruption there, right? What could possibly go wrong? Have the authority of the government to do whatever you want, and no accountability other than your own morals. Nothing could go wrong, right? So these individuals, rightfully so, were looked down upon because one of the Ten Commandments is what? Thou shalt not steal. And that's what they were doing. They were using a government job to steal. But, so they obviously had fallen away. They were sinners. They were backslidden. They needed to repent, come to Christ. So in looking at that, we look at what these Pharisees and what these scribes did. They tended to be the ones that, the Pharisees meant separated ones. They were the ones that thought themselves high and above everyone else. They added rules to the law. We uh, see uh, uh, Jesus telling them that, They put weights on the people, and they didn't lift one single finger to balance that weight or to help them carry it. They just put rules and rules and odorous burdens on people, and Jesus was not like that. Jesus did require repentance. He was not, he was a holy and righteous God, but he didn't, he didn't drive people away or once you made a mistake, you were done forever. No, that's not the way it was. So, just to set the parameters here. We're going to be talking a little bit about we're going to be focusing on the other son. 
This is not a sermon to live your life the way you please, and there's no consequence for it. You'll see that in the, in the parable here. This is also something that where you don't go so far as to, oh, well, I'm better than everybody else, I can push everyone else away. So, now with those parameters set, we're going to go forward. Go down into verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 11. There was a certain man, two sons. This is a fairly rich man, as you'll see. We, uh, we uh, looked through it, and he was able to throw a huge feast. He had servants. You can't, uh, normally if you have servants, you're pretty well off. I don't have servants, so I'm not that well off. But, says the younger son, he kind of got, probably, I don't know here, probably got a little restless. He said, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. He was impatient. He was unwilling to wait. He wanted everything, and he wanted it now. Father, give me. Kind of emphasize there. Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. It's all about himself. Not even in the course of a single verse there. He's already mentioned himself twice. And then when he got it, he didn't wait very long. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Riotous living that's often glossed over. I decided to take a look at that there in the dictionary, and I'll uh, give you a couple of the synonyms of it. Comedic. Humorous, hysterical, laughable, ludicrous. Sounds like a good old time. Sounds like the gist of every Super Bowl commercial. Everything, oh, go out and do this, have a good old time. Take it, spend your money. You need the newest, fanciest car. You need the five-pack DeWalt 20-volt set. That is a legitimate need. However... You need this. You need alcohol to have a good time. You need to just totally unwind, throw yourself out. You don't need any uh, any modest apparel, however. And that's what this son did. He took his everything that his father had worked for, that he and his brother had worked for up in this period in time, and wasted it on having a good time, having a good old time, just caring about himself. But as we see throughout history and here in the Bible as well, we see the good times will not last. Just to give you a little example of my own life, something that took uh, place around uh, two th- in 2008, that was when I took my second tour to Iraq. When I left California, a gallon of gas cost about two, $2.25, something like that. Reenlistment bonuses were through the roof. They were having a hard time getting people to stay because people were leaving, going out into the civilian sector. Everything was good. It was a good old time came back in April, times weren't so good. In the course of just six months, fuel was now $4, almost $5 a gallon for the cheapest kind of fuel out there. That was quite a sticker shock when I come back on base and I'm driving by the fuel station. Whoa, what? That has to be a typo. That can't be right. Somebody messed something up. No more reenlistment bonuses. People, the job market's terrible. We had a change in administration, had a different outlook on war, different outlook on how the military is to be used. The number of slots were cut down. At that time, the Marine Corps had just added 20,000 uh, or 22,000 new troops, had stood up a regiment. There was a lot of rumors that was going away, and it did go away. So the good times did not last. Just the story of my own life is six months. 
it went totally changed. Completely and entirely. And we see that's looks like that's what happened here. Where it says, And he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Who here has raised pigs? You've raised them? Not the most cleanly of animals in a confined space, are they? They create quite a mess in quite a hurry. Imagine living with them. Your mother, I'm sure most of us uh, blue-blooded boys have had our uh, moms tell us that our room is a pigsty. We need to clean it. Imagine living with actual pigs where it actually does stink and it does reek. That's where his man is. He has a wealthy father. He had a ton of money. He got half of what his father had, or probably a little bit less than half. He was a younger son. There was a little bit uneven scale in those days. He got half of it, or a little less than half. It's all gone. And now he goes from being a very wealthy man to now he's living with pigs. Good times did not last. And we see here in the next part that hunger brings him to his senses, and that will happen many times in our lives. Look in our own history. Hark back to the 20s and the Great Depression that followed. You read your history books, it paints the 20s as this roaring time of riotous living. Speakeasies. You look around this area here, many people, many businesses still to this day have little bragging points about how the gangsters came up from Chicago and vacationed here to try to let the heat wear off. It was a riotous time. Not I understand not everybody took part in that. I was mostly limited to a few cities. But that's what it was characterized as. And what happened right after that? Great Depression. The longest time. The nation got back to its senses a bit, just in time, fortunately, to win the Second World War. But if there hadn't been that 10 years in between of toughening people up, making people realize what actually they had, what actually mattered, the financial markets did crash. I didn't live through it, studied history enough to know that that's a cycle that things that happens, and it happened to a lot of people. You see in verse uh, 18, where he comes to his senses, I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee, and no longer worthy to be called thy son. And he did. And there's a great lesson to be learned how the father receives him. That's how Christ receives people that come back to him. There's... A lot of people have wandered away from Christ. I know parents that uh, cry over children that have done that. I don't want to get too personal here. Not, none of this is a personal affront. But I just want... This might hurt some people, just saying that. Might hurt feelings. But when we get back there, the father throws a feast for his son, welcomes him back, as many would do. Now we're going to shift our focus to the other son. And says, this elder son... He was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. Called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What's going on? Why is there a party going on? Why didn't I hear about this? What's all this? I've been out, I've been out working. We're throwing a party. I don't remember. Did I miss so-and-so's birthday? Did I forget mom and dad's anniversary? Grandma and grandpa coming to town? What's going on? Well, when he finds out, it's because his brother came back. Wait, that guy that took half of everything dad had and wasted it, we're throwing a party for him? This guy that went out, 
lived lasciviously, got to choose my words carefully here, lived an immoral life, we're throwing a party for him? What is this? This is a reward for bad behavior. I've done my work. Where's my reward? You look down, I got to look and see here in the verse real quick, which one, where it says, where you never even get, in verse 29, answering his father, lo, these many years served thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. We see the first problem this son has here, he, his brother's already proven that he was not worthy and able to receive that inheritance, wasn't ready for it yet, wasn't mature. We see now that this elder son, he ain't ready either. He's jealous of what his brother got. He's like, wait a minute. I didn't even get, you've never even given me a calf or a, a kid, a baby goat, that I can have a party with my friends. We see that he's kind of looking at his brother enviously. Wait, he just got the best of both worlds. What is this? That's not the way we're supposed to look at it. We're not supposed to. We see in Proverbs time and time again, we are not supposed to envy the evil man or the one who gets rich off of iniquity. You're not supposed to envy him. This brother's doing it. He's jealous of his brother's lifestyle. He's got the best of both worlds. Maybe I should just take my money now and go. And that's not the attitude that we as Christians need to have when someone comes back and is restored. His father, like every good father, puts things into perspective for his son. And this son should be rewarded. And his reward is there. See in verse 31, And he, father, said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Think about this. This younger son, his inheritance is gone. Even though he's come back, even though he is a son, he'll probably be part of his father's household, he won't get another inheritance. And that's a warning, particularly to those who are about to embark, no matter what your age, the decisions you make, a lot of them, you're not going to get the reward back. Once you've spent it, once you've spent your purity, teenagers I'm talking to mostly, that ain't coming back. Once you've destroyed your character through lying or cheating or stealing, that's not coming back. My trustworthiness is no longer there. It's gone. Now, you see from this parable, God does allow for restoration. God does allow and welcomes people back. And we as a church, if anybody's listening on the radio, that, that applies to them. Yeah, yes, we'll welcome you back. For those here, we do set a high standard. For those that are allowed to serve, we hold the biblical standards here as we're required to. And once you've done certain things, you're disqualified from certain positions, tasks, certain positions of leadership. As brother, and the father puts that in perspective, the brother, you're going to get everything. You've done right. Why are you throwing a tantrum? He got to have his fun. You saw what that did to him. He's a destroyed man now. He lived with pigs. He was eating pig slop. 
And most of the time, those of you that fed pigs, you know, just to drag this home a little bit, when you feed pigs, you might as well not even use a feeder. Because they're just going to root it out and throw it all over the place. That's what they do. They'll throw their feeder over. They'll dump it out. So he's most likely eating literally from the feces of these animals. Yeah, this brother's a destroyed man. Why, why are you jealous of what he went through? Why are you even looking listfully? Well, I want to make merry with my friends. Look what that got him. Didn't you learn the lesson? Didn't you learn what it leads to? Look at it. Many times, parent, teenagers, young adults, listen to your parents when they warn you about things. Most of them are twice your age. Well, not quite anymore, Dad, but most of them are twice your age. They've seen it before. They've lived through it. Listen to them, please. So he realizes that his reward is intact, and his father also shows him, says, we should be merry and be glad, for thy brother was dead. He was separated from us. We didn't know where he was. We didn't know what he had been. He was definitely living that kind of lifestyle. He was definitely spiritually, he had no relationship with God. He didn't have a tight one. There was nothing. It was gone. It was separated. Don't look at that. And this young, uh, this older brother tends to get picked on a bit. I'm not going to pick on him. He did some, he was still too immature. But this is the example we want to follow. Teenagers, young adults, older adults, all adults, everybody. There's temptations even out there that for older gentlemen, the internet has opened up uh, a Pandora's box of immorality. It's available to everybody. Stay away from it. Set guidelines, set boundaries, do whatever you have to do. Because once you lose that reward, it's gone. It can't come back. So his brother, some of the things he needed to do. These are a couple of points. Remain focused on the goal and on why you do things. Remain focused on the goal. The Father here is a picture of our Heavenly Father. Our goal ought to be to please Him. To in everything we do, bring glory and honor to Him, regardless what our brothers and sisters in Christ do. Regardless of the choices they make, we need to, as this older brother did, keep in mind the goal of bringing honor and glory to Christ. Need to keep, second thing, needs to keep your eye on the prize. There's countless crowns at Wednesday night service. I won't go over all of them. There are countless crowns that will be rewarded to people that endure temptation, that remain true to the gospel, that never deny Christ. Those rewards will be get, gotten in heaven. That's where your rewards are. Average person has, in America has 75 years on this earth. And eternity, that, that's nothing. It's, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to wrap your mind around how, okay, 75 years, that's a long time. A year is a long time to suffer. Well, and focus on the bigger picture. Next point, keep the big picture in mind. It's not just about you. This brother, he had everything that was about him. Wait a minute, this guy gets it? What about me? Where's mine? What, what about everything I've done? 
should realize it's not about him. Still under your, still under your father. Same as we're, all, we will always be under our heavenly father. And that's what we need to focus on. Not on everybody else around us, but on our heavenly father. And, Last point here. Those uh, too often. Um, I mean, I went. I went. I went to Bible college. I saw. Uh, I got friends that are all over the nation. I'm sure, you all do too. You see different things happening in churches and whatnot. But we see that in this parable here, the father did not restore the inheritance to the younger son that had wasted it. And as Churches, I shouldn't say as churches, as a church, I'm only talking to one church here. As Christians, sometimes when things are done, uh, I've seen too often, some of the leadership has done something immoral, there's been a rush to restore an individual. Yes, that individual can be restored into Christian fellowship, and yes, you should do everything in your power to help him restore his relationship with God, but his, uh, his or her position and leadership after that can't be restored. Most likely can't be. We see an example of that even in the Old Testament where David was forbidden from building the temple after his immoral action with Bathsheba. He was a man after God's own heart. If God was that strict on him, I mean, God's never told me I'm a man after his own heart. I can only imagine what the same standard would apply. There are consequences for our actions. And those consequences need to be served. Just need to be meted out. God's a just and holy God. That's bomb prayer. Um, instrumentalist uh, invitation song we'll be singing will be uh, 418. Dearly Father,